Faith Song Podcast. My name is Tyler Bulbitz, and welcome back to the fifth Sunday of Easter for the week of May 7th, 2023, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we are still in the season of spring. We are still in the season of Easter. It's just an amazing time of year. The place where I am at, located within the world, it feels like we're starting to turn a corner. We're starting to see it, and then the future projections look like we're going to have a very fast warm-up, which that's a whole nother discussion for another day. So there's this anticipation, but also the welcoming of things coming in. I ended up doing a long drive in the car today. And in doing that, was able to see lots of different birds and things coming back to the area in which I'm at and recognizing how many migrants have actually started coming through. And this recognition of how things keep moving. There isn't a constant. There's times where we leap ahead and then slow down and move forward again in quick bunches. And I think this is a kind of a topic on which we're in. And this idea of where life doesn't stand still, I think, is something that we will definitely be talking a little bit about this week. And as we are contemplating and thinking about that, I think it fits kind of well into the question that we had for last week. The question that we had for last week, which was, how do we find ways to trust even when it's hard? And I think the answer really is trust. It's sometimes easier to trust certain age demographics or certain people, but it's trust. It's easy to trust. I had one loyal listener respond with, for this person, it's much easier to trust children because they are less likely to stab you in the back. And adults can, and that makes it very difficult to be able to trust long term. But I think it's also that aspect, that conversation of the continued trust. And I think in a lot of ways, when we look at this Easter story, it's so easy for us to be able to recognize it as, oh, well, of course we trusted Jesus. And I think at the moment, especially after the resurrection that first week, it would have been really difficult to. Because yes, Jesus is appearing. Yes, you're hearing these stories, these rumors, but you feel like you've been betrayed. And how do you quickly jump back into what trust looks like and what that means and how does that feel. And I think that's something to be thought about and considered. So let's just jump into it this week. The first reading this week is out of Acts chapter 7 verses 55 to 60. This is kind of, again, picking up a little bit further along in the Acts story of where we've been. So we've kind of heard the initial gospel from St. Peter and then how the community is coming together. And now we're jumping ahead and now we're hearing of the stoning of Stephen and this idea of how even as they are following Christ and even as they are moving into that next generation of faith, after Jesus' resurrection and ascension, it's not easy. It's difficult. There's things where they're questioning. There's, yes, the Holy Spirit and the asking for the Holy Spirit to be in the place and receiving Stephen as he's about to die. But this difficult transition, this difficult 
movement of what we were understanding the world to be with Jesus. And now, as Jesus is no longer physically with us, didn't mean that it was an easy transition into that next phase of life. It's one of the beautiful things about the book of Acts is really showing the moments of faith, but also still how it's difficult to start something. It's difficult for that transition period to happen. And I think in a lot of ways, as we are looking at the broader church, I think it's a discussion to be having of there are times that we need to make decisions that are difficult, that are hard. And it means letting things go in order for something better to come in its place. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's continue on with the psalm this week, which is Psalm 31, verses 1 to 5 and 15 and 16. This is recognition of that we are putting our faith on a foundation of Christ, that the Christ has laid the bedrock for us and that we are building off of that foundation. And in doing that, we need to be able to recognize from the foundation of what has been laid where then we are building, if you want to put it in a, into a house metaphor. Based off of the foundation, you are then able to build off of that. And it's the recognition that the foundation is what is holding this whole thing together. And recognizing that Christ is that foundation to be able to move us forward. The epistle text this week or second reading is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 through 10. This is recognizing that now that Christ is gone through the salvation and is no longer there, and we long for, as Peter puts it, the pure spiritual milk coming from verse 2, we recognize that we, again, are building upon the foundation of what Christ has done. That we are recognizing that that is what has been laid and that in doing that, that we are trying to follow and that when things look difficult, look hard, it's not necessarily there to make us stumble, but it's to recognize that it's the way that Christ is wanting it done, not necessarily the way that we're wanting it done. This recognition of we're building the house of what Christ is wanting us to build compared to what we are wanting to build. The gospel text this week is out of John chapter 14, the first 14 verses of it. And this is the beginning of the farewell discord. So we are going backwards here to be able to, in this Easter season, reflect back on what Jesus was talking about. And this is where Jesus is predicting his death. Jesus is predicting that they are going to have to go on without him. And you have the questions like what Thomas asks in verse 5, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you know me, you will know my Father also. For now on, you will know him as you have seen me. And this idea of the recognition of the Father being within us, this foretelling in a ways of where the Holy Spirit is coming and recognizing that next phase of what is coming, but recognizing that in that moment, the disciples are very scared. 
They're very concerned. What do you mean you're going to be leaving us? What is this all saying? And they don't understand it. And us being on this side of the resurrection, we can look back and understand with much greater detail of what Jesus was trying to get at. But being in that moment, in that place, it makes it very difficult at times to think that Jesus is talking pretty wacky. It makes it feel weird. Like, why are you talking about being glorified? Like, what does this all mean? And I think this is a launching point for us to be able to talk about how faith and science come together. But before we talk about how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plug for Working Preacher, if you have no Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm that ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to give you this podcast. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org with all the resources that are over there, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I really enjoy how they lay out the text each week, but along with we've talked about the art, the hymns, the liturgical colors. There's a lot of great information and even some non-major and like other little Sundays and different church days of having different texts for it. So if you haven't checked that out, I'd highly recommend checking out that resource. I'd also highly recommend checking out Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and their rising publications, which are either weekly or monthly newsletters to talk about different events and notices in the upper Midwest and beyond. But it's a great ecological resource wherever you are in the United States. So if you haven't checked out those resources, I'd highly recommend checking out EcoFaith at nemnsynod.org and putting in that you would want that. The final thing I got to put my shameless plug for is the Gus Davis Academy of Faith, Science, and Ethics, which brings high school students from across the country to learn from among top scientists, theologians, and activists at the intersections of faith and science to work together to find solutions to the world's most pressing challenges. While having fun, they create an open and non-judgmental space for questions and community. Think Bible camp for teens who are excited about science and justice. And if you're a teen who is listening to this, you fit that category. This summer, they are extremely excited to be exploring insects, climate change, and the interconnectedness with creation. The Academy Fellows will be invited to do a deep dive into the growing impact on bugs, on the environment, the land in which we live on, and the food in which we eat and more. With hands-on learning in ecology and theology, discovering how faith and science can work hand in hand to create a much more beautiful future for our planet. If you are available and a high school student between June 17th and the 23rd of 2023, I would recommend going to St. Peter's, Minnesota for this event. As I've stated, I am planning on being there. And in the show notes, there will be a link to sign up for this incredible event. I'd highly recommend it. And there is Registration is open. There is travel and registration scholarships available. So if you haven't checked out that resource, I'd highly recommend it. What does it mean to think about what it would have been like in Jesus predicting his own death before it happened? We can kind of understand it when we all can understand that a person's time on earth is nearing an end. But At Jesus' moment here, this doesn't seem to be that. Jesus is not 
looking like an impending death is coming, yet he is predicting this, and to the alertness of his closest friends, it's a bit concerning. Heck, if you look at our own society, if people start predicting their own death, we get concerned too. But I'd say there's usually a difference between what we're having here with Jesus and what we experience with our day-to-day people who are predicting that. Jesus is trying to prepare us for the next phase. And when I hear this and I'm thinking about this, and especially when we look at what we've been going through in Acts, I think we need to talk about succession. And this is something that we have talked about before, but I think this is a great model of us being able to understand what Jesus is actually trying to do here with the farewell discord and preparing his disciples for what is to come, even though they don't recognize it in the moment. Within succession, succession is the process of things continuing to move. So there is primary succession and secondary succession. Primary succession is when there has been a major catastrophe and you're starting from ground zero. So think of if you have a major forest fire and all the ground is charred, you have to have pioneer species to come in to help start the growing process again, to start this foliation of coming back. And that will slowly evolve. We've seen it in our own lives. When you have something that gets tilled over and first then you get the grasses and you get the shrubs and then the trees start coming in and slowly over time, if left alone and the right conditions, it can become a mature forest if no one continues to disturb it. And that's impossible because even within nature, nature will continue to make for things to happen. For instance, in a forest, when a tree falls, you can have a microclimate where now you're having an area of land that is getting a little bit more sunshine, so maybe it's a little bit warmer, and it's not getting that sun cover, so it's changing on a micro scale that ecosystem in that one small section, so it's making a microclimate within the ecosystem. When we look and think about this, you need your pioneer species and you need that primary succession to happen to be able to get to the secondary succession, to be able to get to the next phase of succession. So moving from like a grassland prairie to shrubs is a transition. That's the beginning of secondary succession. And you could even say like trinary succession is moving from the plants and shrubs into more trees and into a forest and how that's going to continue to evolve through things. The great Greek philosopher of Heracles is quoted of saying that the natural world is in a constant state of movement. So this idea that the only thing that is constant within our world is change. The only thing that is constant is change. If you think about even a tree in and of itself, there are times when it's growing and something happens, a windstorm, a bug infestation, and suddenly it loses a limb of the tree. It then needs to success and move forward without just continually just crumbling. 
And sometimes it's too bad. It's going to then destroy the whole tree. But if it's just a small minor branch, the tree needs to continue to grow and continue to move and move into that next phase. That's again part of that succession within that tree species. But one of the hard things with ecological succession is recognizing that there is a time and a space for different species. There is a time and a space that certain species are going to show up and it might only be for a period of time. When I was in high school, college, I went out a couple different times doing some tree surveys with a high school biology teacher and he was teaching me on how to study an environment for when you're doing whatever types of surveys, bird surveys, mammal surveys, you have to give a description of the ecosystem you're in. And especially within bog ecosystems, one of the things then that we would look at and to characterize how old a bog was, was looking at where it was within its succession of tamarack bog moving into a black spruce bog. Tamaracks would lay the foundation for black spruce to come in. The tamaracks would be so successful to a point where they no longer could survive, making way for the black spruce to come in. And if, over a period of time, you could tell roughly the age and how far along in the development it was, was based on how many tamaracks do you have, how many black spruce do you have. Black spruce being an older bog, a more developed bog, tamaracks being a younger bog, and still developing. And so in that transitional phase, you are then able to kind of characterize where is it along the succession path to be able to judge how you then were going to do management of that bog and think about that bog was where it was along that succession path. Jesus in John chapter 14 here is laying an early foundation for the Holy Spirit to come in, which is the next phase of what Jesus did. I would argue Jesus coming to the world was primary succession. It was that God had seen, I have tried, I have tried working with these people. I need something to drastically change. And that's Jesus coming in. Jesus being that primary succession and you have the disciples part of that initial primary succession those initial plants and starting to grow. Jesus goes, they transition. That's what we've been going through the last few weeks in Acts. And now we're realizing how difficult it still is with the Acts reading that we have this week. They are moving into secondary succession as we are preparing ourselves for what we know is coming there, the Holy Spirit. And that you could argue is both a primary and secondary succession in and of itself within the church, but it's built on these foundations like we read in the Psalms and in First Peter. It's built on the foundations of what had been left behind. That means, I would argue, it's a secondary succession because it's being built upon what has already been done. 
This idea then of that we are building upon what has been done, recognizing that things are going to continue to evolve and change, and thus we need to keep evolving and changing with it because then we are preparing for what is the next thing. Jesus is laying out in this spot. Things are fine and dandy in John, but he is preparing them for his death when he is no longer there and they will be moving into the next phase. My wondering right now is within the church as a whole, are we thinking about it in that way that we are laying foundation, we are laying structure for the next phase of where God is going and that we need to be understanding the plans that are laid in front of us to be able to build upon that. And it might not make sense like what the disciples are talking to Jesus about here in John 14. It might not make sense. Having Stephen get stoned didn't look like it was making sense, but it was also the struggle, the frustration of laying that foundation and continuing to do the mission, the plan of what had been laid out. The community at that point could have easily given up. But that's where, again, the psalm and 1 Peter are laying out this understanding. That's why we follow what we're doing. Because what does those initial levels of succession leads to secondary succession? And in secondary succession, you have more and more communities that are built into that ecosystem. Because the ecosystem is actually getting healthier. It's moving and becoming more and more of what it can be as an adult ecosystem. It allows for providing for more species. It allows for providing more different types of species. It's becoming more robust. Jesus even is telling them, like, I'm preparing and going to be giving you something greater. But that means that I can't be here. And that's where it's hard for them to understand at that moment. But we know on this side, yeah, it would be great to talk to Jesus face to face. But also the Holy Spirit coming in was a pretty amazing thing in and of itself. To be able to have God be able to move so much faster, easier, and be embedded within us. The succession that needed to happen in order for us to really be celebrating what Christ did. The question I have for you this week is, are we going through the succession that we need to as individuals and as a church? Are we as individuals and as a church going through the succession that we need to? To be able to move and be in the situation on where God is trying to lead us next. To be able to have what Christ is trying to do next with us. I think there's times that we get so caught up that we don't understand how the change is consistent. And that's one of the beautiful things with youth within a church, within young people within a church, because it helps us recognize that things are changing consistently. As we watch kids grow, as we watch them change, as we watch their understanding grow and change, we understand that we need to be doing the same. When we look to our ecosystems around us and are actually in tune with it, we recognize not only is there a seasonality to things, but there is a consistent growth and change. The place in where my wife and I purchased, part of what I was looking at is, this is going to be a pretty amazing place with the tree development in the next 5, 10, 15 years. 
But that means that I have to have the foresight to be able to look and see that and recognize that there might be things that are different than what I expect in that. We are called to be people that we are trying to see and get glimpses of where God is leading us so that we build something. And it might not make sense to us at the moment, but when we get there, it does. And I wonder at times, do we do a good enough job with doing that? We have a hard enough time when we're talking about different environmental issues, being able to see and have a vision of 50 years, much less than when we're talking on human issues and dealing within our own church and within our own selves, can we look five years into the future and being realistic with ourselves and what is that actually going to mean and take? I think that's one of the beauties within this Easter text. It's recognizing that things need to continue to change, which is an exciting thing also. It's scary and hard at the time. Tamarack trees are amazing. They're some of the softest conifers on the face of the planet. They're so cool. And to have them where they turn this beautiful amber-yellow color in the fall as they're one of the few that lets go of their needles in the fall is amazing. But also to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say that black spruces aren't amazing also means that then we also have to make way for them in order for the black spruces to come in for the additional bird species that come into those ecosystems because the black spruces are there. They don't like the tamaracks. They don't interact with the tamaracks. They interact with the black spruces. Do we get caught up as communities of faith that we only want to live with tamaracks? And when we're trying to move into periods and phases that will be black spruces, which is potentially the new growth that we're needing, that we get caught up staying there, being concerned on what's going on, not recognizing that there needs to be this consistent movement. And we see this in Jesus's ministry, this constant movement, the constant change. The environment that's around us is constantly changing. Why the heck then is our faith not doing the same? Why not is our churches not doing the same? Why isn't our communities doing the same? We can't hold things the same all the time. We have to realize that there has to be this ebb and flow of consistent movement, even when it's hard. And I think that's part of what our faith should be calling us into. That there are times when things are really difficult. But we have to be able to recognize the beauty that came on the other side. The stoning of Stefan wasn't beautiful, but it also united the group in a different way too. To be able to see the beauty that still came out of the heartache. I think in a lot of ways within our communities, our churches, our world, and as individuals, there's times we need to be willing to go through the heartache to see the beauty that comes on the other side and trust that just because tamaracks can't be in this bog, there will be other places where tamaracks are just right to come in. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science. <laughs>